Hello and welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where we help and inspire you to build a great personal brand to increase your visibility and your authority. I am your host, Claire Bond, and I am so excited to be joined on this episode by Brendan Kumarasamy, and he is the founder of MasterTalk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called MasterTalk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Welcome, Brendan. I'm so happy to have you here. Hey, likewise, Claire. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, this is really great because... Um, a lot of people that we work with, their goal is to, and probably people listening to this podcast, their goal is to get speaking engagements. And so I was like, I definitely have to talk to you because we, because a lot of people need some help. So um, I was kind of doing my doing a little bit of research, and I saw that you left your corporate job in 2021 um, to produce to pursue this full time. What made you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what happened? I, I guess the backstory to to go to rewind a couple more years before twenty twenty one. You know, I, I when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Kind of think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing soccer or rugby or baseball or something else dangerous that I probably yeah. wouldn't do, I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. And Tell I also like Toastmasters. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like Toastmaster, but think of it like a like the Premier League of Toastmasters, where oh, it's. Okay. I, I know this is weird, and people, it's, it's. I have a really hard time explaining this on podcasts, but essentially, it's a true story. People from Australia, pre-pandemic, obviously, would take a flight, spend thousands of dollars that their business school would expense to Montreal, stay there for a whole week, and just present PowerPoint slides. That's like a thing. So it's like a big deal to be to do this competition. Absolutely, and the, and the reason because wow. you're probably wondering why why would anyone bother to do these competitions? Uh, the reason was to get great corporate jobs out of university. So a lot hmm. of a lot of the top companies in the world, like Deloitte, Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, IBM, a lot of their executives actually sponsored these competitions to see hmm. how the how the students present, and they kind of cherry pick people to give job offers to before any other company gets to them. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's so a weird sport. That's how you got your experience and obviously probably your first job. Exactly. So so what tying into your question what happened was I you know I was fortunate I got an incredible job out of university. I worked as a technology consultant for IBM for a few years and that's and I randomly started MassTalk literally in my mom's basement because a lot of the information I was sharing when I was coaching the students in that university program for free pretty much wasn't yeah. available online. So I started posting, and then a few years later, I was working at IBM and side hustling MasterTalk. So after two and a half years, I was able to replace my income, and I went all all in on this. Nice. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I feel like the best um, the best businesses are are definitely one based on need. You know, you're not kind of sitting there going like, "What am I going to do with my life? I need to have a business." You just you literally it kind of comes from what you already know, um, and that's awesome. That's very cool. All right. So, um, I mean, one of the things that I want to definitely know, well, okay. So one of the questions I have is we've had to move into this whole virtual world. So before you were dealing with, um, you know, coaching people live, I think we're probably going a little bit more live, but I don't know, it kind of goes back and forth and back and forth. Um, but 
what is like the, what is the, one of the biggest things that you had to do when you had, you know, we, we went into the pandemic and you are coaching clients and they're like, I don't know how to bring this presence to an online world. So talk about the difference between virtual and being in person in yeah, the speaking world. Absolutely. Claire. Great question. So there's three key differences. The first one is eye contact. So when you speak in the real world, you have to slowly deviate your eyes to people in the audience who are listening. But in okay. virtual, what's great is whether you're speaking to a thousand people or just one, all you got to do is look directly at the camera lens and you don't have to mm -hmm. move your eyes anywhere else. That's the first difference. The second one is energy. So when we think about energy, it's a lot easier for us to draw that energy when we're in person. So let's say me and you were sitting next to each other. I'd be like, whoa, it's clear. But yeah. <laughs> when we're virtual, it's harder for us to pull that energy because we're not in yeah. the same room. That's right. the second difference. And the third one is conversations with your audience. There's a lot more friction to get in touch, to hug, to have conversations with your core demographic online versus in person. So you definitely have to put a little bit more legwork for virtual. But what I always mm -hmm. recommend people to think about is by understanding the impact that you can make through virtual and mastering that medium, you can actually 100x your impact because a lot more people like Tony Robbins, for example, and his seminars, a lot more people can attend the virtual one now versus the in-person event. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, I, 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 it's funny because um, I think what, I mean, I know what helped me feel comfortable in front of the cameras. I, I'm a former actress, so I live in LA. Um, oh, nice. Recorded myself all the time um, to do, you know, to do, um, you know, you would send your, you would get the sides and you would do it virtually and you would just send them off to, to casting directors. So I self-taped a lot and there's a lot of, yeah, having to get the energy up and you kind of do, well, I don't know. I know we would do kind of like fake things depending on what, what, how you had to get into the role. Um, to type to, to whether it was like do some jumping jacks if you had to be out of breath at the beginning. You know? <laughs> so there were all these things that we would have to do to prep to be like you are in it depending on what the scene actually is. So anyway, it's interesting you that that I I had to learn how to do that, but you you definitely have to get into that mindset. Um, oh, yeah. I love those tips. Those are great tips. So I know how important I, I we were talking about this that that you know. Your per a lot of people want to use their personal brand to get speaking engagements. So I know that it's very important. I'm sure that you know that it's very important, but let's talk about that. Like, what do you, how do you see them um, working together to get better and better speaking engagements? Absolutely, Claire. So, so let's start with, with the one-on-one -on -one principles that I feel would, would add some value since it's a personal branding show. So kind of my thoughts on this is a couple of things. So the first thing is the biggest mistake people make with their personal brands is they don't think about their personal brands in decades. They focus on the days ahead. So this is what I say, mm. think in decades, not days. So okay. most people go, oh, what's hot today? Is it TikTok? TikTok organic is like crushing it right now. And like you should like make YouTube shorts versus going, what does your brand look like in 10 years? And really thinking about that because that really helps you reflect and helps you make conscious decisions about what to do with your brand today. I'll give you a super easy example. There's probably been like 150 people who have told me to be on TikTok, like so many of them. And there's nothing wrong with TikTok. It's a great platform. It's fun. It's entertaining. But look, at the end of the day, I don't want fickle fans. Right, People can watch me on TikTok all day, but the people who are actually developing a raving fan base, they're watching long form on YouTube. They're reading your blogs. They're listening to you on a podcast like this one, and those are the type of fans that I want. 
But because mm-hmm. we're making that conscious decision ahead of time, it's a lot easier for us to optimize for that today so we get the result we want tomorrow. So that'd be the first thing I would, I would have us focus on. The second piece is the idea of follower account, which I'm not a big believer in. Even if my follower account is decent on YouTube, I would say for me the perspective is don't search for a 1,000 followers. Search for a 100 or rather a 1,000 conversations, conversations hmm. over follower account, where how many conversations are we having? And going back to your question around speaking engagements, you don't get speaking engagements based on follower account. You get them based yeah. on how many conversations are you having with event planners, people who have relationships in that industry, people who know somebody who's hosting the event because that's how most speaking engagements are won. So always think about who are the people in the industry that I need to meet and wow versus mm-hmm. the people that I just need to see my my TikTok page. Yeah. Well, it's interesting um, – and I've come to this, so it's, it's, I have similar views, but I go about it in a different way. Mm. So you come about it. So I actually, we, we look at it from like, where are, where is your ideal audience? And for me, for, you know, executives and people like that, they're not hanging out watching TikTok videos. So I come, I come at it from a different point of view, but you are correct in, yes, how your personal brand and you, and you want, um, it to reflect who you are in 10 years. I like that. But yeah, we always are like, where are your ideal fans and where are your, is your ideal audience consuming information? That's where you want to be. And usually it's pretty much two for most people. Sometimes it's three if you have YouTube and things like that. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, um, for us, we definitely, we look at providing answers to questions that people are actively asking. Mm. So you, so you're like, so it's kind of the same because you're like, how do I get in front of, if in front of um, people that are doing speaking engagements and things like that? And I, we, you would, what you're saying is like create a video that they would, they would answer the questions and things like that. So yeah, it's the, it's the same, but different words essentially. But yeah, it's, it's very cool. But yeah, once you do it a while, you kind of are like, this is what works and this is what doesn't. Yeah. I definitely had like a, we had this kind of crazy client that we had to convince, I swear to you, the decision makers, the CXOs that you want to get in front of are not watching videos on TikTok. I promise you. <laughs> he was obsessed. You're like, get over it. I don't care that millions of people are watching TikToks. I can't. And just please. I mean, I can't watch these. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those oh, yeah. TikTok videos that are like that, you're just like, what are you doing? And people that are listening to this and not seeing it on YouTube, I'm doing the pointing where people are pointing at little words on the yeah, screen. Yeah. I can't handle that thing. I'm like, what are you doing? And they have no rhythm. And I'm like, no, just, just stop. It's okay. Your, your people are not on TikTok, I promise you. <laughs> um, okay, so we kind of went a little bit off that. But so, um, and so one of the things too that you, so you kind of talked about this a little bit is you talked about sort of like building relationships. So, so tell me about that relationship building when it comes to getting speaking engagements. Um, yeah, give me your tips on, on kind of building relationships. I guess that's basically networking. Absolutely. And I loved your points, by the way, Claire. We're clearly on Thank the same you. page. Just, yeah. just different Just wording. different. I like that it's different. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. So people can take the best of both worlds. But yeah, yeah. To, to your point, networking. So I was like starting with the principle first that I feel isn't, isn't talked enough about. So, so let's go through an analogy. Let's say hypothetically, we uh-huh. meet somebody new every few days, which is optimistic for most. Most people usually yeah. don't meet somebody new every few days. 
But let's do you go mean like that. online meets or could be online, could be in person, Both? it could be either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. And new person doesn't mean you see them on the street, but like you're actually like saying hi. You know, I'm Claire. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so let's just go through it. Simple analogy. And so in a given year, give or take, you might meet a hundred new people a year. Fair analogy, right. right? And let's assume you live 50 more years from the age you are currently. So let's say you're 30 years old currently and you live for another 50, hypothetically, until 80. At, not to make this a math quiz for people, but yeah, if you yeah. multiply the number of years by the number of people that you meet every year, you only get to talk to 5,000 people. And hmm. that's something that you want to think about, which is a, a question, a thought experiment. Who do you want those 5,000 people to be? Because out of 8 billion lives, or 7, uh, don't quote me on the exact number, you're only going to meet a few thousand. So when you think yeah. about it from that perspective, relationship building becomes much more of a filtering game than anything else. And that's also true in the context of public speaking. So I would say the number one thing people should be doing right away, which most people don't, is to 10x on the network they already have. Make a list of your top 10 relationships and do mm -hmm. not rank them based on money or status or fame. Rank them based solely on how much they're pouring into you. That's it. What do and you mean by that? Good, pouring good, into you. Good follow-up. So pouring into you simply means who has added the most value to you. And it doesn't have to be they gave you a million bucks. It could simply be, hey, Claire, I was watching this podcast the other day, and I thought of you. I thought it would be really interesting to help you grow your personal branding podcast. Have a great day. Like super simple stuff. So business-related. It doesn't have to be business-related. I think everyone's got their own framework. I love that you're asking me follow-ups on this, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I'm because I want to get down to the, you know. Yeah, the nitty-gritty. <laughs> right, so so I would – I mean, business is good too, but okay. it's more in terms of like business works and then other pieces. Maybe somebody did you a favor, like picked yeah. you up at an airport. And when you okay. really start to think about your network in that way, and I'll, I'll give you the example with me, the number one person on my list outside of my close friends and family is my business partner – because if it wasn't mm -hmm. for him betting on me and, and helping me out with my business when I had no idea what I was doing, I would not be the human being or the person I am today. So that's why mm -hmm. he is my most valued connection. So if he needs anything from me, he needs me to take a flight, get on a four-hour call with him to help him strategize something, I'll drop everything mm -hmm. and take the call, right? Okay. But the piece that I want to drive here, Claire, is when you reinvest in your top 10, I also recommend you introduce those people to each other so your top 10 knows each other. So what happens hmm. when you do that is they start introducing you to the other top people in my net in your network. And an example I can give on this is the the third ranked person on my list introduced me to the second. So that's the point I want to drive. I don't know if that makes okay, sense. Okay, so but they, so they weren't originally on your list as your second, but because you were introducing them to your network, they were like, "I'm going to introduce you to mine." Exactly. So basically, okay. so, so I'll give you a real example because they, they don't mind being named. So Sam Kamani is, is a podcast host in New Zealand. I was on his show. Incredible yeah. human being. I was like, gee, like this person's amazing. And we just yeah. vibe, right? It's the right energy. Yeah. And he introduced me to a guy named Billy Samoa Salibi. He was the CEO of Potify and other podcasts. And the first call we had, it was like love at first sight. But if it wasn't for Sam, I never would have met Billy. But it's because okay. I poured into Sam and I lot, add a lot of value to him that I got to Billy. And that's the point yeah. I want us to drive. You already have the network of your dreams. Double mm -hmm. down on them. Triple down on them and they'll introduce you to other high-quality people. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. I like that. I, think that. I don't think that people really think about that. They don't. They, they definitely, I, I think that a, a lot of people will rank 
their network, like you're talking about, um, based on, I guess, their, their value in society, money, power, job. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's kind of like more, it's more like an empathetic, like, you, you know, do you care for this person? Are they your people? Do they really, do they care for you? Are they deserving? Are they, you know, yeah. Um, interesting. I really love that. And I think that I, I definitely see that a lot of people don't work on a network in that way. A lot of people are selfish. And it kind of ends, right? They don't give to the other person. You might get something, but they it ends. And so you get one favor and you don't get another one. And then you have to move on and, and find somebody else. Whereas if you're giving and getting, it's going to, um, yeah, I think you're going to go a lot further. I, I really love that. It's a really great um, way to look at it. Very cool. You're very wise for being so young. No, you very, you really are. Like, it's like, what? It's like, how did you learn this? It's like crazy. I love it. I'm, I'm just um, learning from smart people like you, Claire. That's all. Thank you. No, I, th I, again, I think that's rare. The, a lot of people, they don't, they don't really look at, um, they look at more what you can get from something than what, you know, having a good conversation and giving great information. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I literally, well, my, my friends, I don't ask them to like listen to the podcast and they'll be like, I was listening to your podcast and I love this episode. And I'm just like, see, that's what you, when you mentioned that, I was like, see, that's that those are my people because they they do it because they want to not because i've asked them to not because they have to and i'm just like yeah i love it all right you know what food for thought everybody write that down great tip if you didn't hear it rewind it listen to it again great <laughs> the great best. tips no it was really good so um let, let's talk about tips and that people can do like say you know they have a speaking engagement coming up and they're freaking out and that they're randomly they're listening to this right now and they're like wow um, I would love to know Brendan's tips to, you know, hit this one out of the park. What would you do? Three to five tips. Yeah, absolutely, Claire. So I would say the easiest one to give that, that's more obvious than not is if you got booked for a speaking engagement, first of all, congratulations. That's great. And just practice it virtually with some close friends on a Zoom call. It's easier, like said, than done. No one really does it. Just do it. The, the other piece that I'd recommend, is, which is more specific and tactical, is how do you practice? And the analogy I always like to use, Claire, that I use with clients as well, is public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those uh, puzzle pieces we used to do together as kids? Mm -hmm, you know, the, mm -hmm. so, so let me ask you back a simple question, right? So okay. let's say – don't worry, you'll know the answer. Let's say you're, <laughs> you're working on this puzzle, right? Which pieces do you start with first and why? I always remember you're supposed to start on the, on the outside first. I don't know why. <laughs> no, but that's great. But you got okay. the right answer. Dig. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I was just like asking it back or I'll say monologue for like three minutes. But yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely correct, Claire. And the reason why, and I'm sure you'll agree, is because they're easier to find. Because they got those little yeah. edgy right, pieces. Yeah. So you build out the edges, you work your way into the middle. Simple. But in public speaking, we do the opposite. So we start with the middle first. We shove a bunch of content. We get to the presentation and it sounds something like this. We ramble through the whole thing. And then the last slide is, uh, yeah, thanks. That's how most presentations go. Yeah. So how you fix this is by practicing your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. 
50 seems like a big number, but it's not because your intro is like a minute. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie, right? So same thing with the close and then tackle the middle. And only just two hours hmm. of practicing, your presentation is going to be 10 times better. Hmm. Awesome. All right. So wait, how many tips was that? Uh, I think that counts as one. I'm not sure. Okay. Do you have any more? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, we can go on for days, but I'll just give kind of the three that people should take action on right away. Yeah. And then the third one is a simple exercise that you can do even if you're alone in your basement and you have nobody to practice with, and it's called the random word exercise. And I'm happy to demonstrate if you want. All you have okay. to do is you pick a random word like phone, like a table, like laptop, and you make presentations out of thin air. And what this does is it improves your resiliency as a speaker because if you can mm. talk about nonsense for a minute or two, when you go back to your subject matter expertise like personal branding, which is something you're very mm -hmm. sharp at, or communication in my case, that's a joke, right? Yeah, so yeah. do the harder thing and, and the easier thing becomes easier. Okay. Well, I, I did um, improv classes, so that's a, that could be the same kind of thing. If you want to take class for it, it would be the same kind of thing, yeah, pulling something out of thin air. I actually, I remember I read, um, and I want to get your opinion on this, so uh, I had to do a presentation, and I was like, you know, I really want my presentation to be awesome. So I did a lot of research, and I found an actual TED Talk, and I can't remember who it is, and maybe I can share it with you uh, if I can find it again. But basically, she was talking about some of the best speeches, and she she brought um, up Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, um, and, you know, we just had MLK Day here. Um, and then she brought up uh, one of the speeches that Steve Jobs did. And she, and she said one of the key things is, like, what is and what could be. So it goes up and down and up and down through your speech. So if you're, if you're kind of giving a, as I, I've had to do speeches where, or talks on um, like getting funding. And that was one of the things that I, you know, I use and I was like, Ooh, I see this is kind of like hooking them in. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Have you heard of that technique? So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the black sheep in my industry, right? You know, I started okay. coaching CEOs You're when like, I was no. <laughs> 22. I, I'm accountant by trade. So, so here's my perspective. And, and, and there's no, no bash on, on whoever this yeah. individual is. I'm sure it's a great, great strategy. But I would say from an implementation perspective, that's really hard mm. for people to digest. So people are probably listening okay. to this and like, what is, what will be. So like, what do I do with my speech? And then they're kind of just left with, that's cool. And then they don't do anything. So okay. I'd say for me, what's more practical is, and it's great that it worked for you, by the way, that's awesome, mm -hmm. is story outcome. It all starts with what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what's the goal here? If people could only leave with one sentence, what do you want the sentence to be? I actually push mm -hmm. this to the extreme where I say, let's say it's the last presentation of your life and then you die and you can talk for two hours, how long you want, doesn't matter. But people could only remember one sentence. What do you want the okay. sentence to be? And then people okay. go, whoa. But then what happens is then when you figure out your key outcome, the next step, which is super simple, Claire, is just going, what's the best way to defend this outcome? And this is where the idea of testing comes into play. There's no right answer in communication. It's about going, okay, well, uh, I think anyone can be a great speaker, which is one of my outcomes. So how do I defend it? Do I try statistics? Do I try this? And then I'm splatting a bunch of stuff, and then I listen to the audience, which is you in this case, and the people listening, and going, is it working or not? So for example, earlier in the episode, when you started going, I'm not really sure about this. Can you explain the leadership? This tells me the relationship piece. This tells me immediately that it's not landing as clean as I want it to land. So I have to mm -hmm. go back and revisit that episode and go, what did I explain wrong, or how can I make this simpler for the next podcast host? 
finds that yeah. super easy. So testing is key here. Okay. And I mean, and ultimately, yeah, I think that I, I, it's failure, right? <clears throat> Putting it out there and it, some, some will stick and some will be great and some won't. And I think, um, do you have people that are sometimes resistant to failing when it's not really failing, but you're trying and you learn, I mean, come Stand up comedians, my God, can you imagine how many times they're like, oop, that sucked, let's move it. <laughs> but like, you have to try. Do you have people that are sometimes resistant to yeah. failing, essentially? Oh, yeah, absolutely, Claire. And you know what's fascinating when you asked me that question? I was thinking in my head, I don't think I ever use the word failing in my groups or in my messaging okay. on Mastro. And the reason I don't, so I, I think you'd find this interesting, is because a lot of communication coaching or communication in general is always tainted with negativity. Like when okay. people start- so? uh, Exactly, great, great follow-up, right? I love your curiosity, it's great. <laughs> so, so, you know, somebody comes up on stage and they always start the presentations all the time with this. Did you know that after death, the next fear on earth is public speaking. Everyone's scared of public speaking. Life yeah. is hard. And I'm just like, geez, guys, relax. It's just speaking. <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Versus, you know, I ask more empowering questions like how would the world change if you're an exceptional speaker, which is a question no one has ever thought to ask themselves. So you go, yeah. oh, wait a second. Like if I was a better communicator, I'd probably talk to my like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, significant other kids a lot better. Boom. Right. Positive. Right. So yeah. I'm a big believer in momentum versus failure. So the way that I message it is more like, hey, random word exercise, do it 10 times. Then people start to intellectualize or overthink it. They go, well, Brendan, what's the framework? How do I like do the random word exercise? I was like, just do it 10 times and I'll be happy. And then they do it 10 times. I'm like, okay, I did it 10 times. Now what? I'm like, do it 10 times again. And then they do it 50 times. And I just asked them, what else is possible with your communication skills? Didn't you tell me last week that the random word exercise was impossible? And they're like, Oh, yeah. And then eventually they just go, anything is possible. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, <clears throat> for me, I feel like a lot of people, the, there's this fear of failure that sometimes if you just say, it's there, we've all failed. We've done something that didn't, didn't work. And we're fine. We're more resi resilient. We are better off. And I think if you just kind of put it, for me, um, and I'm not like a negative person, but I kind of just like not, that yeah. I, when I'm, sometimes I'm dealing with people, I just find and go, yes, there, you, there will be things that don't work. It's, it's the failure word. It's going to be okay because you want that so that you know, it really works. You know, you want to oh, yeah. do it on, on, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to suck in your Ted talk. <laughs> you want to suck in the other stuff that doesn't matter as much. You know, and, and that, and that is what, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Get it out there. Learn from it. Um, yeah. When you see like a great comedy show, how many like little teeny comedy shows that they do all around the country. Right. And they were like, this, this, you know, joke didn't work. This didn't work. And then all of a sudden you see like their HBO special and they're like, they're so amazing. But like, how many times did they do all of those jokes? <laughs> it's the same thing. I love that. I you know, love it. it it's, you, no, don't really, you don't really think about that. You know, you don't really think about kind of how um, public speaking it does seem like this super scary thing. And there's got to be this crazy secret that no one knows. And you're just like, there's so many things in my life that, yeah, duh. But, I, you know, I don't know. There's so many things in, in the world, but you sometimes need someone to tell you this stuff. And you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. 
Absolutely. And, and what I love about this, this podcast episode, Claire, is you're saying the same things as me, but in a completely different lens, which right. I think is really cool for the audience because they get to hear both sides of the same yeah. coin. It's funny because I've definitely had this happen before and it's, it's fun because it definitely, it definitely reiterates the basics, but there's many ways that you can do it. There's many, um, and, and, and yeah, practice, practice always makes perfect with everything. I mean, you know, I mean, when you started your, your, um, YouTube channel, how do you feel about those very first videos that you did? Or, oh, yeah. or did you feel that they were great because you've been doing this so long? <laughs> I, I wish I could say that, but no, I'd be lying. <laughs> It was it was horrifyingly bad, you know. I was just literally, <laughs> literally, I started mouse talk right there, right. I was on a couch, and I started making videos. But and it, and there's definitely insecurity, right? And I mean, I was like 22 at the time, right? So, so yeah, it was there's it was definitely a lot of fear. But I think the way I thought about it was the reason why I pressed record, and this is something that might help people is the idea of message versus fear. So let's say we take like a boxing ring, right? One side of the ring is like the fear. Oh, the fear of speaking up, the fear of talking to, you know, our loved ones, the fear of getting on camera, which is totally legitimate. And you have the message. Why are we doing this? Why is it important? Why should we go ahead and press record? So the point I want to drive here, there's a couple, but the first one is that the fear will never go away. If somebody called me tomorrow, Claire, and said I, I can coach Elon Musk and that Elon Musk wants me to coach him. I would probably pee my pants. Like, it's not, it's, it's just reality. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah. Like, what? Like, what? like right? So, so we all have the fear. But the key is that your fear needs to always lose to the message. So it's not that the fear will disappear because it never will, but rather having a strong enough message to destroy the fear. That's the way I think mm -hmm. about it, or to over-leverage it. So for me, I didn't press record the first time for the 55-year-old, executive who could afford me i pressed record the first time for the seven-year-old girl who couldn't right hmm. because who else is in their early 20s making public speaking youtube videos with like high energy on youtube i think i'm one of the few people in the world who's currently doing this so it's either mm -hmm. i press record or nobody does yeah that i i i definitely tell people that that they're they're afraid that you know you have to get your information out and so if there's somebody that's just like i'm afraid to put myself out there it feels selfish it feels like i'm bragging that you have so much information to give go and help people that usually is one of the big things that drives somebody that has that kind of a, a fear because they usually don't feel that they're good enough i feel do you find that there's something in them, that, the imposter syndrome or something where they are like, I'm not good enough. There's someone better. What do I know? I'm 22. Why should I say anything? Well, <laughs> you're here because you did know something that no one else was doing. And, and you know, you had the, the staying power. So that's awesome. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought, we're really covering all the fronts. You're doing a great job, by the way, <laughs> is you really bring out the best of the content I got, which is great. So yeah, I, I can give you a simple example to, to help explain imposter syndrome, which, which I help, which I hope will clarify. So, so let's say, let's run an analogy. Okay. Let's say I came to your city. You said you're based in LA, right? Yes. So let's say I came to LA and I said, you know, Claire, I don't know what to do in the city. What should I do? Where should I visit? You know, what should, where should I eat? You'll probably mm -hmm. tell me. You'll yeah. probably go, hey, this place is good. This place, not so much. Enjoy this. Have fun. Have a great time. Simple. Same mm -hmm. thing if you came to Montreal, which I don't recommend during the winter, by the way. You, you might die. But if you, come to the, <laughs> if you come to Montreal and you say, Brendan, new to the city, don't know what to do. What should I do? I'll probably tell you. And most of us do. 
where you should mm-hmm. eat, what you should do, where places you should go. But isn't that bizarre? Because we're not tour guides. We're not travel experts. Our parents are not the mayor of Los Angeles in Montreal. One of these days I'll be wrong. Maybe your dad is the mayor of LA. <laughs> One of these days it'll happen. But, but the trick is, and this is the question, why is it that with some piece of information, we're super confident sharing with zero expertise whatsoever, like literally, I don't know what in the world I'm telling you to do in Montreal, yeah. versus with our subject matter expertise, we're afraid to share the information. Why is there a discrepancy there? And the reason, in my opinion, is it goes back to the, what the definition of an expert is, Claire. Most people think an expert is like having a master's degree, having a PhD, whereas in my opinion, being an expert is simply this, that you're one step ahead of the next person in that specific thing. So in the same way that I can learn so much from you about how to ask mind-blowing questions on a podcast, how to be really good at personal branding in, in areas I honestly didn't think of when you were adding some ideas there and sharing your insights, which I loved. There's some things I could probably teach you as well. And when we focus on the people that we're comfortable serving first, then we build our confidence up over time. And that's the secret to killing imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I, for one of the things for me that, that definitely help with imposter syndrome is, is kind of talking about it. It just putting it out, you know, just saying like, I've been dealing with this and I actually, um, I have a mentor who, um, is a uh, former CEO of a really large company here in LA. Um, and I mentioned it to him and he was like, yeah, me too. And I, and I have this multi um, million dollar company that I'm in charge of. And sometimes I'm just like, damn, that guy's smarter than me. <laughs> and I'm like, really good. Cause I feel that way sometimes. And I think sometimes learning that from people that, that you admire or you, you kind of look up to, or you think, uh, you know, are very, very smart. I think sometimes just knowing that you're not alone is such a great feeling. I love that too. So that's a new perspective for me as well. I completely agree. Yeah. So that for me really helped. Cause I was like, Whew. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that sometimes felt like that 12 year old going like, what am I doing up here? Mm. I don't know if you ever had that feeling. I feel like the 12 year old going like, I have, what am I doing up here? I feel like I'm a little kid and I want to go home and sit in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This has been an absolutely fun conversation. I definitely learned a ton and I hope uh, that all the listeners did as well. Like, you know, definitely you heard something, go back, take notes. Cause I heard many things that were worthy of taking notes. So thank you so much, Brendan. And if someone wants to connect with you, find out more about master talk, where can they find you? Thanks, Claire. Yeah, definitely. This was definitely a blast. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, there's two easy ways to, to stay connected with me. First one's the easiest one. Go on the YouTube channel and type Master Talk. You'll find it in the search engine. Super easy to find. Got hundreds of few free videos on communication. And then the second way is for those of you who want to attend one of my free trainings. I coach people for free over a Zoom call every two weeks. So if you want to register for that, that's rockstarcommunicator.com. Awesome. And those links will be in the show notes and in the description box if you're watching on YouTube. And thank you so much for joining, listening, and being here. And I will see you next time. Bye.